I'm Derek Thompson, the host of The Ringer podcast, Plain English. Look, a lot of news these days is kind of nonsense. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. I'm just trying to ask the questions that matter from people who know more than I do about everything I'm curious about. And that's most things. Recession fears, AI hyperbole, psychology, productivity, China, war, streaming, movies, sports, you name it. The world without jargon, the news without bias. Plain English with Derek Thompson. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Tara Palmieri. I'm Puck's senior political correspondent, and this is Somebody's Gotta Win. Well, it was the debate we all wanted. Well, the debate we really wanted was Trump, DeSantis, and Nikki Haley on the same stage, but we had to settle for just DeSantis and Haley on the same stage, duking it out in a bit more of a civilized way. Well, I'm not so sure about that, but certainly sparring on policy and taking shots at each other. But really... We wanted to see who would come out of that debate decisively as the number two in the race. And I've got to say, I don't think either one of them per se won. I think it's pretty much all baked and this debate hadn't didn't really do much to change opinions. I've got Jimmy Sanders with me. He is a political consultant um, who specializes in Iowa. He's based in Des Moines, and uh, he's going to break it all down for me and tell me exactly what the Iowa voter is actually listening to and what he thought about the debate performance. Jimmy, thanks for joining the pod. Tara, thanks for having me. I think I've already sort of told you what I found to be the most annoying already, which is Nikki Haley's DeSantisLies.com, although maybe it was effective. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, it was repetitive, uh, certainly. Yeah. Um, it, it almost felt as if uh, perhaps maybe then Maury Povich was going to be coming out uh, <laughs> for a, a quick reveal of the lie detector test. But I thought overall, I mean, it was the most substantive debate we've seen totally. this cycle. Uh, it's unclear if voters uh, care that much about the substantive policy. Um, but I mean, it would have been an excellent debate if these two were the front runners for the Republican nomination. But unfortunately, the front runner wasn't on the stage. That said, right. I think they gave Iowans a lot to chew on and think about over the remaining days. Tara, what I thought was really interesting is the policy positions that the two candidates brought up proactively. I mean, clearly playing to their strengths or their perceived strengths were Governor DeSantis uh, appealing uh, and bringing up issues that are, is going to move Iowa voters um, a lot more conservative issues, uh, whereas Ambassador Haley, maybe understanding she's a little stronger in New Hampshire, uh, was was appealing to maybe a, a more general electorate. Right. I agree with you. 
I don't know how much GOP voters actually care about policy, but they really went into the policy. I think they also are more interested in style and swagger. Um, But you're right. I also sense that Nikki Haley wasn't willing to go as far as Ron DeSantis, but he's always tried to like to, to hug the right. He even tried to outright Donald Trump, but I think that sort of backfired on him a little bit. I actually think this was one of his strongest debate performances. I think he's gotten better uh, over the past few weeks. He's really come into himself in a weird way. I mean, the bobbling, his head isn't as distracting. His ticks seem to be down. He's He finally figured out his his messaging, his statement, what he's what he's saying is basically, you know, his closing argument. Trump is running for himself. Nikki is running for her donors, and I'm running for you. You know, that's his argument, and he's finally figured it out. This whole campaign, we haven't, we had no idea what he was saying this whole time, <laughs> or he just kept switching it. Yeah, he, I, I agree with you. I think he's found his stride. The the one thing I would have too uh, late though. <laughs> Well, I, I would have liked him to lean a little bit more into being a family man. Uh, he, he did bring okay. up his his three kids um, there uh, briefly when when talking. I think it was about um, kind of the bathroom bill and the um, the educational issues and the fight with Disney. Uh, but uh, you know, that's something that that really humanizes him. Um, and I, I thought that uh, he could have used that in a few more places, but I, I couldn't agree more with you. He has found a stride recently. Yeah, it's just just too late. What do you think Haley's strongest moment was? Uh, I, I actually thought she came across most forceful when talking about Ukrainian aid. Uh, and when she started talking about how dictators telegraph their next move, she referenced China. Uh, and then brought it back to how, um, you know, Putin has said that he's going to take Ukraine and then wants to move in the Baltic states. Those are NATO states and those bring Americans into war. And talking about how her husband is deployed right now and that uh, supporting um, Ukraine with, I think, three and a half percent of the defense budget uh, means Americans stay out of harm's way in a, right. uh, a ground war. I thought that was the make- strongest, most forceful moment. But the question is, that it doesn't appear to be where the base is at. And so I thought Governor DeSantis they want countered 0%. really well. Yeah. <laughs> he countered really, really well um, by by talking about, no, we need to take care of veterans here at home before we're sending uh, foreign aid overseas. Um, so I, I thought that was her strongest moment. And, and Governor DeSantis, uh, you know, countered nicely. Right, because the truth is it's such a small percentage of our defense budget, um, but doesn't seem to resonate. Instead, he made it seem like it was an entitlement for, um, you know, he he made it seem like it was an entitlement for Ukrainians. Um, very powerful line. But I actually always think her most powerful position or her most powerful argument is when she brings out her electability numbers. I know the Republican primary voter doesn't care about that. But when she says she can beat Biden by 19 points and then that trickles down from, you know, uh, federal, you know, elected all the way down to the school board. I think that's the most powerful argument, but clearly I'm not the GOP primary voter. Am I right? <laughs> it's a really strong argument. And uh, for Iowa caucus goers, beating Joe Biden in November is, if not the top of the list for issues, uh, is is very, very close. So it's a compelling argument, but the challenge is 
There's a lot of Iowans who think that any of these uh, Republicans running can beat Joe Biden in November. And, you know, data shows he's pretty vulnerable. Um, and there's even some polling that shows Donald Trump uh, can can beat him uh, in, in November. So uh, a lot th- of polling that, that, that shows that you're right. Yes. Uh, and so I think that's that's the challenge in her argument and, and how wide her gap is. Very true. But a lot of Republicans are looking at the polls and saying, yeah, but any of these guys uh, could beat him. Right. I mean, it's a tighter race. She's like, I'm up by 19 points. I don't know if she's really up by 19 points to Biden, but still, it's a pretty stark um, argument to make. I did kind of think that Nikki had a lot of word salad moments where I was like, what is she saying? She's like, Ron DeSantis in Florida, or he's on private jets, or the, you know, the campaign is, he mismanages campaigns. It was just the way she kind of strung it together made it seem like word salad. She's very commanding in her appearance, but sometimes the actual words, if you close your eyes, you're like, wait a minute, what is she saying right now? <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one who feels this way about, about her, at least recently. She might be tired. That might be what's going on as well. It's a two-hour debate with two people on the stage. Uh, it's, it's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting. Uh, you know, unclear if anyone made it to the first commercial break uh, here in Iowa. Uh, especially with Caitlin Clark and then uh, number three Iowa Hawkeyes uh, also playing oh, uh, this evening. Okay, um, Damn. I did miss uh, another triple double uh, by Caitlin Clark uh, tonight in watching this. But look, when when it's that small of a debate stage um, and that much time to fill, there's so many only so many places and topics that that you can go. Totally. I, I really felt like the word lies was the word lie was just being tossed around way too much. It kind of lost its power the more they used it. It's like, what is a lie anymore? Did you, did you feel the same way? The way they were just like tossed around the word lie back and forth? It was a lot. Yeah, it, it was a lot. What was DeSantis' strongest moment to you? You know, I thought... Um... You like the family time, right? The family well, comments. Yeah, but, but that was only a blimp on the radar. I mean, he, he mentioned it once and it was sort of, um, he sort of stopped himself uh, and uh, inserted it. Um, but, you know, I, I thought in totality, he had a really good night. I, I don't know if there was one shining moment uh, for him in particular that stood out, but the issues that he kept coming back to, he did a really nice job pivoting and bringing it back to issues that are going to be top of mind for caucus goers. I mentioned some of them previously, but these are really conservative policy issues that are, uh, you know, he clearly understands the stakes here in Iowa and that his candidacy is, um, you know, up on, on Monday night. And if he doesn't pull off a second place finish, it's going to be really tough to march forward. So we kept going back to the issues that resonate with caucus goers. We think about immigration, school choice, um, this fight against you know woke companies and, and woke ideology. He kept coming back to it time and time again. Um, and, and I thought that was a really smart move. I find this woke stuff to be just overplayed. I don't think people really care about it, but you can correct me if you think I'm wrong. Do you think that people in Iowa really are thinking about bathrooms and woke ideology? I would say that there are people in Iowa and caucus goers uh, who worry that um, the, the shift leftward is creeping into many aspects of their life that um, it, it shouldn't be. So, yes, I do think that there are some caucus goers where that will resonate. Um, that message will resonate. I liked I thought the one line that I felt was one of his strongest was when he was saying Social Security is not an entitlement. 
Uh, that was pretty strong because obviously I think a lot of people probably vo- engage voters in Iowa are thinking about Social Security. Maybe they're near retirement age. It's been kind of a more divisive issue. One that they actually bifurcate on like pretty, pretty like p- seriously. She thinks that they should raise the age for collecting Social Security and Ron DeSantis does not. Um, I don't know. Is that important to Iowa voters? I think it is, especially given, um, you know, the the median age uh, here in Iowa relative to other states. It was smart. I thought Ambassador Haley, frankly, did a nice job pointing right back to the fact that Governor DeSantis, as a congressman, voted three times uh, to raise it. Um, so I thought that was, um, you know, a... Um, uh, an instance where no one really put points on the board. Um, it's clear they both agree that Social Security is in trouble um, and something needs to be done, um, but not clear consensus on what that's going to be, let alone what could actually get done in Washington. Right, right. You're you're right about that. I heard Nikki Haley kind of use another, like, I don't know, it's kind of like her thing. You know, what did she say to Vivek? Like, you're so pathetic. And now this time she said to to Ron Sanders, like, you're so desperate. Like, she kind of does this thing where she takes really, like, personal attacks. Or not even personal, but, like, dismissive sort of attacks on these guys. And that was the one that she did today. And I, I don't know. I think it's getting a little old. It's a style I'm not really into. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, but I, I do think it's a, at least in this head to head, it was effective in that it, it seemed to get uh, under the governor's skin a little bit. Um, and so uh, from that perspective, um, it, get his mind away from where he needs to go. And uh, to that throwaway comment by the ambassador, uh, it's a good debate strategy. Yeah, you're right. He's easily rattled. That's something that the Trump campaign always reminds me. They're like, it's psychological warfare with with Ron DeSantis because he has a very big ego. To call him desperate, that probably really got underneath his skin. And just like the attacks on Vivek Ramaswamy got underneath his skin too. Well, I thought it was interesting. I thought like the the moment where it, it seemed like he was most uh, annoyed, if you will, is when she started talking about his campaign finance and the amount of money that he had uh, had spent. And, you know, here he is in the polls. That seemed to get the biggest charge out of him and rattle him the most. Not any sort of policy issue, uh, but something, um, you know, I, I do think he's right in that, generally speaking, voters don't care how much campaign money you have raised and spent. Um, and, and so he's right about that. But it, it caused him to get rattled a little bit. I thought it was really effective as well when she was like, I sleep in residence inns and he flies around on private jets. And that's actually true. I mean, they wasted a ton of money. She's not wrong. Like $150 million, not all on private jets. But he was living pretty lavishly on the campaign trail and doesn't have much to show for it. And if anything, like I think that reflects his political future. And if his political future is not in the White House, which it doesn't look like, these are real serious hits that are going to affect you know, what happens in 2028. Who's going to want to give the guy money if he's living the high life? Um, I thought that was a strong argument, but then again, I'm a political reporter that covers those kind of process stories that maybe people in Iowa don't care about. But then why would you want to give the guy your money if he's going to go, you know, if he's not using it for political ends? Tara, those of us in the Midwest don't exactly consider the residents in slumming it. Um, and so okay, I thought that, that uh, line Sorry. didn't land 
uh, as cleanly. Um, (laughs) And that's why you're on the show, Jimmy. (laughs) If your hotel door isn't opening to the outside, you're doing pretty well. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Nikki Haley, she's like, I'm the next generation leader, right? That's her closing argument. It's interesting. Fine. Less chaos. But really, she's like, I'm the new generation Ronnie Sanders doesn't really own that, even though he is too. But he did say, you know, he kind of went a little closer to jabbing at Trump. And he's like, I'm a serp. You're a servant of the people, not a ruler of the people. You know, sort of hinting at the whole dictatorship. I guess that's part of his messaging as well. But he just, you know, he keeps going on about like, I'm I'm not running for my issues. I'm running for your issues. Like he's he's sort of... He's using a little bit of the Trump language where Trump's like, you know, they're coming after me and I'm the one getting in the way. Like he's sort of figured out how to tap into like messaging that puts the voter first. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, but I, I actually think that the 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 new generation line uh, works pretty well. It draws a pretty clear contrast between who Nikki Haley thinks her two biggest opponents are in this race. And that's Donald Trump and Joe Biden, both uh, men in their uh, their 70s, um, late 70s. So, um, you know, I I think, uh, frankly, that that's an effective uh, line. And it is curious. I do think that uh, why Governor DeSantis hasn't leaned into that uh, more, uh, that that same sort of theme, especially given the fact that he's the the father of three young kids. Um, And um, so. but to your point about I, I'm for you, uh, you know, Governor DeSantis's line that I, I'm running for your policies, it's smart. It's a good line. Um, and, um, you know, as he goes across Iowa, it is resonating. And it goes back to those issues that he's talking about. He always brings it back to those conservative issues that are appealing to caucus goers. And frankly, that he's got a, a good record to showcase from his time as Florida governor. Right. But he's still not going to win Iowa. <laughs> no, just but to be that clear. Was never, to, yeah, no doubt. But that was never, never the objective of anyone not named Donald Trump. Donald Trump was always going to win the Iowa caucus. That was not in question. The question was, who's going to come out of Iowa with the second place as the clear alternative to Donald Trump? And so while Governor DeSantis's expectations got wildly out of control, um, you know, to the point where just a month ago he said he could win Iowa, which is not going to happen. So it's part his own doing. The goal is always to get second place. He is in a position to do that. Uh, frankly, still I, I, after this debate, still in a think, position. Do you yeah. think that this debate helped him though? Yes, because really? it didn't hurt him. I mean, it didn't hurt him. Yeah, okay, yeah, it helped I mean, him in the sense it didn't hurt it him. Didn't hurt. He was able to uh, have the stage with his biggest adversary right now, because it's not Donald Trump, it's him and Nikki Haley jockeying for this opportunity to be the alternative and get a head-to-head shot. Uh, He had the debate stage. 
you you acknowledge you saw he, he has gotten better at this and had a solid performance. He hit the key messages that he needed to and didn't come out with a gaffe. So yeah, I, I do think he did he did what he needed to do tonight. And neither like same with Haley, though. She didn't she didn't lose the debate. Correct. She did not. Neither won or lost. Correct. So they're they basically both, in the same place they were yesterday. <laughs> I think Chris, the news about Chris Christie was far more impactful to the overall race than this debate was. Right, but not to Iowa. No, not to Iowa. No. So that's for New Hampshire. If you want to hear more about that, listen to the emergency pod that we dropped on Wednesday after he dropped out of the race and how that will impact New Hampshire. Okay. So neither won, neither lost. They truck along. They make their, they're really making their closing arguments in these debates. I don't know. What do you think was like the cringiest moment on the stage? Well, it was clear they, they really don't like each other. Um, I mean, generally speaking, uh, you, you could see the friction uh, uh, between uh, the two and how much they, they genuinely do not like each other. You know, um, th- I thought the residence in comment by Ambassador Haley was sort of cringeworthy. Um, right. uh, I thought um, it, Governor DeSantis's uh, line trying to force a a John Kerry, I was for it before I was against yeah. it, uh, fell kind yeah. of flat. Um, I also caught a line that I, I wasn't quite clear what was happening um, when Governor DeSantis said he was going to save the American automobile. Um, but um, overall, I thought they, they both uh, did a pretty good job tonight. There wasn't too many, um, too many spots where I was cringing. Okay. And, and Nick, Nikki Haley has not alienated herself before the uh, New Hampshire voter, which is probably more important than even the Iowa voter. That's very true. Crucially. Okay. Best or worst, let's talk about the best case scenario on Monday for either of them. Trump obviously comes in less than 50 points, right? That's the best case scenario yeah. for either of them. Uh, well, yeah, that plus a second place finish for either of them would be right. Would be the best case scenario. Within 15 points yeah. or teens. Yeah, my, my eyebrows aren't going to raise unless Trump is down in the low teens for a margin of victory. You know, they, okay. I, I'm sure that the Trump campaign's biggest fear right now is a bit of complacency creep, if you will. Uh, he's up by so much. I suspect there's going to be a final Iowa poll. And when that comes out, I'm guessing it's going to show a very wide margin, 20 plus points. And on a very cold Monday night, as they're forecasting here in Iowa with wind chills per, below zero, um, it would be easy to say he's got it in the bag. I don't need to go out. Um, and so uh, I could see that uh, margin drop in a little bit, but uh, I wouldn't fret too much unless it's down in the the sing or the the low teens. So no one won, no one lost. They got their cl- closing arguments across. They really hate each other. Got some more policy, style, whatever. But there was a whole other show going on. It was a Donald Trump show. And how many Iowans were watching that rather than the DeSantis-Haley debate? What do you think? The true true winner of tonight's debate was Donald Trump. He stayed (laughs) out of the fray, out of the bickering, and his two chief rivals uh, are at each other's throats with no sign of this field consolidating. And with no consolidation, Trump is on cruise control to the nomination and could have it wrapped up uh, on Super Tuesday. Right. But who do you think, what do you think viewership wise? Like, are Iowans watching Trump? Are they watching Nikki Haley and DeSantis? Curious about them. 
the numbers will tell. Um, but but my sense is that this debate didn't move a lot of people. Each candidate did what they needed to do. Mm. And, you know, the reality is this would have been a really great debate if these two were the front runners. Uh, but the front runner stayed above the fray, uh, you know, and didn't do any damage. Weird to, to think himself. of Donald Trump above the fray. It's just not the <laughs> word I would ever use for him, but sure, maybe this time. Yeah. Okay. So didn't move the dial for either of them. No, I, I think they both avoided uh, any gaffes that would hurt them. And now, uh, you know, it comes to that moment in time where campaigns want to pull their hair out because there's not much more they can do but rely on their organization and turn people out on Monday. We will see. And even that might not be enough. Uh, not for a first place finish, no. But somebody's got to get second. Somebody's got to win second place. That's that's going to be the new pod. What do you think? Spinoff? Let's I don't do know. It. <laughs> you can have a spin-off debate, why not? Have a spin-off pod. You you stick with somebody's got to win, I'll go with somebody's got to get second. Okay, cool. That'll only last for a few weeks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> May not have enough time to even get a sponsorship. All right, thanks so much for coming Jimmy onto the show. I'll check back in with you on Monday. I'll be in Iowa freezing my butt off just thinking about what to pack. Uh, send me your ideas. At Tara at puck.news for topics and I don't know what to wear in this kind of weather. Negative 12. Jesus. I don't know how you live there. Makes you stronger. Hardy people. Builds character. We look forward to having you. Bring a (laughs) shovel and some salt and meet me at the end of my driveway. We'll take care of that. (laughs) You know what? That's probably like a good arm workout, right? All right, I'll do it. Yeah, lift with your legs. I'm Tara Palmieri. Thanks again for listening. I want to thank my producer, Devin Baroldi, for coming in for a second time today after the Chris Christie dropout to then do a double hitter with the debate. We'll be back again on Tuesday with the results from the Iowa caucus. Yes, things are happening. If you like this show, please share it, rate it, subscribe, tell your friends. And if you like my reporting, please go to puck.news slash Tara Palmieri and sign up for my newsletter, The Best and the Brightest. You can use the discount code Tara20 for 20% off. See you on Tuesday.